Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardaway and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. What we're going to do tonight on the podcast is we got some classic Slash Filmcast format for you. We got some what we've been watching, and then we're going to move on into an in-depth review. This week, we are going to review the newest uh, film... <laughs> Produced by the Russo Brothers on Netflix right now, starring Chris Hemsworth. It's called Extraction. It's an action extravaganza. And we are going to review it here on the Slash Filmcast today. That's what we've got in store for you on this week's episode of the podcast. But before we do any of that, uh, you know, (laughs) something that I I do like to do uh, or I want to do on this podcast is actually just check in with everyone. Because I feel Uh like there's a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of YouTube channels out there. They're just continuing on as though everything is normal. And that's completely fine. That's a very defensible approach. And I I don't begrudge them at all. But I I would like to at least acknowledge that everything is not normal. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to acknowledge that we're going through extraordinary times and and that uh, things are not normal and that it's okay to feel not normal and uh, it feels it would feel perverse to me to not acknowledge it uh, before we get going today. Uh-huh. So uh, so yeah, as so, long yeah, this as is, just... this is your general life is a living hell uh, acknowledgement, uh, <laughs> just a, a constant stream of Groundhog Day like monotony where every morning is indistinguishable from the previous. <laughs> And Time every, has no meaning. Yeah, every every waking hour is just a a bridge to the next, to the next, to the next. I live from meal to meal <laughs> until a, the glorious moment when my head hits my pillow and I can go back to sleep to start it all again in a vicious cycle that has no light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I see. Is, is that how you're doing, Jeff? A okay, a okay. It seems. <laughs> yeah, just want to acknowledge. Just want to acknowledge that. uh okay okay um well i I hope everything else is going okay other than all that stuff you just said Um, i mean yeah it's doing i'm doing good all things considered tell me tell me about something (laughs) happy that happened last week jeff how about that (sighs) um the the things that are happy try try to sound less eager about it yeah well i feel like the things that happen that are happy are the same things that happen every week that are it's this I do the same things every day and <laughs> I get to go on bike rides with my kids and I love those when the sun is shining which is it's getting hotter and hotter here in Los Angeles we hit the 90s at my house uh we get you know we have fewer windows where we can go outside and actually enjoy the outdoors but it's lovely in the morning and in the evenings um and you know uh, I've been eating myself into oblivion and uh, you know, yeah. work is good. Things that I do for create creative outlet are good, but it's hard to concentrate on those things. I don't know, man. I I'm sorry. I'm not. I enjoy hanging out with my kids. There you go. Yeah, that's a good thing. I do enjoy hanging out with my child. Also, I just don't get to see her as much as I'd like, even though I'm working from home like crazy. So it is weird how that works out. Yeah. Uh. How How is that happening? Is it because your wife's taking care of her? Or I mean, yeah, my wife is taking care of her because she is, yeah, she, she's on baby duty right now because I, I still have a lot of work and the time I'd be going into the office and doing stuff has somehow, yeah, been absorbed by just sitting in the office here at home and just like, yeah, pounding out reviews and stuff. I've written an interview and a full review for a laptop, you know, before noon today, yeah, before wow. noon on Monday. You know, and that is the beginning of my week. So things, uh, yeah, things aren't slowing down work-wise. 
I would like a little more time to, you know, sit and enjoy the family. Um, I, what I'm doing, I am mentally preparing how I will escape from New York like Snake Plissken. That is what I'm doing. Yeah. Going to surf yeah. out on the, oh, I guess that's escape from LA, isn't it? That's LA. We do not mention that. How dare you? No, I'm going to be going uh, through the highway lined with mines, just there driving through that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's my plan right now in yeah, the next few months. Because even before this whole thing went down, you were thinking, hey, I, I might want to leave yeah. New York City. Cause a, li- uh, a little birdie told me, huh, maybe <laughs> maybe time is up in New York just for just for a little while. Because uh, it's also not great to have a kid in New York and moving around and not having a car and not being near family and stuff. Uh, you know, it, it just needs a lot of help in several respects. And then the world caught fire and New York ended up being the biggest hellscape for a lot of this because of... I don't know. A lot of things are uniquely New York, but I think we're also realizing um, for some reason, New York mayors are always terrible. It doesn't matter who it is. Like, they're always the worst. And then the governor is like, yeah, chief terrible because they're always fighting, too. So they're two awful leaders who, yeah, never quite support their their constituents and are always fighting like children. So it's a whole thing. I want Devindra, to move. I, yeah. I have bad news about where you're planning to go, though. I know. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great because then that's even worse. So everything is terrible. Yeah. So basically. I think you're referring to the fact that the Atlanta governor said or the uh, uh, Atlanta officials have said they're planning on opening up, right? Well, the mayor has been resisting it for quite a while. So the Atlanta yeah. mayor has been kind of the, the good Georgia one fighting. The Georgia governor is what I yeah. meant to say. The yeah, Georgia right? governor is the one yeah. who is... Who should not even be governor? Like who? Liter- anyway, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go there and at least be. I want to at least be like in your spot, Jeff, where I could at least go outside and ride yeah. bikes and not like just be stuck in an apartment here. So that would be an improvement. Um, you know, trying to move during a pandemic is a insane process. Basically, like thinking about this. So that is where I am. So good luck, everybody. I hope you're all staying safe out there. I had a friend who sent me a text uh, with a picture of a uh, a thousand piece puzzle that he thought would be good for me. <laughs> He's like, "Jeff, uh, look, at, look at these awesome thousand piece puzzles." The, it was like a, it was like Captain America the First Avenger. Uh, and uh I was like, "I don't know what universe you live in, <laughs> but I don't have time to breathe, let alone yeah, this idea that <laughs> there's all this free time now." I feel like I barely I have less time now than mm-hmm. ever. It is it is I It's weird how that works out. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like I have less time in many ways. Yeah. I is there anything that help around. is that helps you or soothes you during this time, Jeff? I'm just curious like any coping mechanisms you have or any media that you like to watch that helps you to relax at all? Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, feel I like, like I keep yeah. putting you in the spot this episode. Yeah, yeah. no, I, f- I, at the end of the night after my kids are asleep, uh, there's a, a precious hour or two, and my wife and I like to just sit back on the couch and and watch something, and <laughs> and also just not move and not just stare move. off into yeah. space. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's, uh, usually where we that's just fun. Put sugar-based foods into our gullets <laughs> as much as possible, and <laughs> go to the sweet release of of sugar high. You know, that's about it. Um, All right. It's Sorry. uh, it's going pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Dave, enjoy to... enjoy your single life right now. Like <laughs> how, it is. How are you, Dave? Yeah. How are things? Yeah. Well, I definitely cannot complain about anything. Um, thing, things are okay over here. I think uh, Seattle is currently in the process of 
of uh, so far, as far as we can tell, we are we are uh, flat flattening the curve uh, in a solid way. Uh, the governor has said that we are not ready anytime in the near future to start going back to work. But yeah, a responsible I mean, thought. Yeah. Huh. For me, the yeah, yeah, I mean, the thing everyone's saying like reopen, reopen. There's a lot of like people that are saying <laughs> reopen the economy, but the it's just so much more complicated than that. You know, um, it's not like you can flip a switch and everything's going to go back to normal. And I think that's like something that I've I've seen a lot of desire for. Right, everyone just wants it to go back to the way it was, but. I just don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot of things that are forever changed as a result yeah. of this. It's and like uh, Singapore is rebounding. Like, uh, yeah, is their infection rates are raising again because they were very, um, I think they got a little cavalier about how they reopened. So it's a whole thing. You know, it's it's going to be tough. And a lot of people don't realize this is going to be with us for years. 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 years and until we get a vaccine until like this is this is the new normal. We will have to learn with this. Like this is how you know, the generation that had to deal with the impending nuclear bomb, which never came, but they, they grew up preparing for it and worrying about it and building bunkers. Except our thing is here. It's happening. It's actually happening. You know, you just can't see it. And you're still trying to convince people to take it seriously. So yeah. it's a weird, it's weird There's spot a, we're in. Yeah. Ed Young is a very talented science writer. He's so been good. really uh, helping a lot of people understand exactly what's going on over at the Atlantic. He wrote a piece called uh, like Our Pandemic Summer that's very good. And something that was in that piece that I thought was really insightful was that whenever there is a huge public health crisis, there's always a period of panic followed by neglect. Mm-hmm. It, people think, oh, my gosh, we, uh, this horrible threat is, is on the horizon. We must uh, do everything we can to, to solve it. And then there's a period where, oh, hey, people aren't dying anymore or aren't dying as quickly anymore, so therefore we don't need to pay attention to it as much anymore. And it goes into neglect. And he said, the thing that's curious about this current crisis is we seem to be going into the neglect phase before the panic phase is even over, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. That uh, there are a lot of people that are like, hey, yeah, who cares about uh, what the experts and what the doctors have to say? And. I watched uh, that movie, The Death of Stalin, again recently. The, That's uh, a good a timing. Okay. Movie. Yeah. There's a great. There's a. Great, it's on Netflix right now. There's a great scene in that movie. The Death of Stalin, by the way, uh, non-spoiler alert is mm-hmm. is about the death of Stalin, and there's a scene in that movie when Stalin dies, and no one knows what to do because uh, all of his lieutenants are are gathered around, and no one wants to do the wrong thing. Because they know if they do the wrong thing, they'll be punished severely. They also know that most of the doctors in the country have been thrown into gulags uh, because they've been accused of being traitors and so on. And so they really don't have the A-team left anymore. And uh, as a result, obviously, you know, Stalin dies. And it's uh, when I watched it the first time, it was a really sad indictment of what happens when expertise is ignored. Mm -hmm. Um, But... uh, I don't know that that's exactly what's happening in the United States, but there's certainly strains of that that are happening at, in, in specific parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Death yep. of Stalin, great film, a chilling and cautionary <laughs> tale for us. Um, so I, I hope everyone is doing okay. Hope everyone's staying safe. Something we have, something that has been very encouraging is uh, we have gotten quite a number of tweets and emails from people uh, expressing gratitude that we're still doing the podcast. Um and that it's helping them to get their minds off things. So we really listen. That. It's my one anchor to sanity, you know. So let's <laughs> let's hold on to this for a while. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I'm really sorry that it's come to this, Devendra. We can't go uh, to bars anymore. We can't hang out with friends, but at least we can podcast. And honestly, yeah. you know, that's it's great. I, I think that is. I'm glad we could keep this going because the the actual mechanics of doing the show end up <laughs> being perfect. Changed, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except yeah. we have to find streaming things to watch now. But hey, it's happening. Yeah, it is genuinely nice to hang out and talk to you guys and not think about everything for the time that we do. And and I'm so, I do take solace in all the projects that I have being able to focus on them and not have to focus on all of the weird decisions that I have to make in life and all of the, you know, taking care of my kids and all that stuff that just seems so heavy right now. So I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of people appreciating the podcast, Let me give you a little insight into how the podcast works from a from a mechanical perspective. Is uh, people longtime listeners may know that during a specific segment each week, I like to thank all the people who donated to the podcast. Right, and we have links up on slashfilm.com, and also if you go to paypal.me/slash/filmcast, that's paypal.me/slash/the word filmcast, you can donate to the show, and. The way now, now we have a, a number of regular donors, right? And so uh, I have what's called a, a Gmail filter, I think it's called, right? Gmail filter is a very useful tool because uh, <laughs> I don't want it to hit my inbox every time we get a new uh, donation, because otherwise that would be that'd be overwhelming. Because we get, we have tens of dozens of people who do like recurring donations each month. Tens of dozens. Gra- we are very grateful for all of them, and uh, so. As a result, you know, over over time, I've started to figure out, or not over time, like in, immediately, I figured out exactly what the uh, text strings were in the emails, uh, and specifically, one of them was like notification of donation received, you know, and so every week I just search my Google account for notification of donation received, and then I would get a list of all the people that donated that week, and they, they'd already be in their Gmail folder, but uh, I would just then just transfer all those email those emails and those names into the show doc uh, that we use to organize the podcast and then I'd read those names and thank them and uh, everyone would be you know uh, none, none, none the wiser at my Gmail filters uh, so this week I noticed something really odd I noticed that uh, I was getting emails that didn't match any string that I'd seen before I was getting emails. <laughs> That like every now and then PayPal will change up what the email says, but they, they don't tell you that they're doing that. They don't say, "Hey, by the way, from now on the email is going to look like this now. It's going to have this text in it now." Uh, and I I got an email and I was like, "Huh, it doesn't look like any uh, doesn't look like any string I've seen before." Uh, so then I'm like, "Well, I'll deal with it when it's time for the podcast." So tonight, like an hour before the show, I'm getting organized, sorting through the podcast notes, and I search my Gmail for. This new string, right? That's something like, you know, someone has sent you a payment or something like that. And I realized that uh, they ha- that a while ago, uh, PayPal had changed it so that many donations came in with this string. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's no problem. I'll just go back and, right. and uh, take down all the ones that uh, I missed. And it turns out that this string has been used for uh, the last 
seven months <laughs> since, oh, no. since October of 2019, basically. Oh my! Amazing. Uh, so, so Amazing. That's, there, now, now it's not every. Obviously, we've still been reading donations every week, uh, so it's not like I've missed all of them. But there were some of them that, like, they used a specific way of donating or whatever, uh, where I wasn't searching for them every single week, and thus, for the since October of 2019, I have just missed. Dozens and dozens of donors. I believe this is the textbook <laughs> definition of hoisted on your own petard. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I yeah. Think that, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. So I also like line, how you think about uh, heartfelt donation emails as strings of text that are yeah. filtered through your mesh of don't bother me. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I mean, that's not exactly how I'd put it, Jeff, but you know, uh, you're not I received a, wrong. a string of ASCII characters, uh, <laughs> many of which, uh, form coherent sentences that I choose to ignore. <laughs> so, uh, not choose to ignore, just trying to organize for better usage. Yes. Uh, so bottom line, uh, there have been dozens. Mistakes were made. Yeah. Dozens of donors oh that I have my. not read their names over the course of the last <laughs> seven months. And here's the thing that's amazing is no one has mentioned it. Or like Aww. at most one or two people have mentioned it uh, or emailed in complaining. Uh, and so now I feel really bad. What can we so, do for these people? What can we do special for them? Well, we're going to acknowledge them tonight, Jeffrey. And we're going to read many of the messages that have accompanied a lot of their donations. <laughs> um, so apologies for missing uh, your donations. And if, uh, if after tonight you find I still have not read your name, then uh, please email me at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Use and, a string uh, of text that is guaranteed to catch <laughs> Dave's attention. And I will make sure I get it. I make it right. But uh, again, I'm very sorry for missing many of your donations. And so uh, these, tonight we're going to... These date, these date back seven months? Yeah, some of these are from October of, of 2019. They're going to be like, so. dear guys. Uh, no, no, no. D- d- don't worry, Jeff. Don't worry, Jeff. No, no, you're, no. You're no. going to hear. No, they're going to be like, uh, dear guys, I'm sending you this uh, this donation because it's so awesome being able to go outside and hang, hang with out friends. with the people and yeah. drive my car to work where all of my coworkers sit so close to one another and I can share stories about this podcast I love. Anyway, here's some money because uh, nothing like that is ever going to go away. <laughs> These are like messages in bottles, you know, yes, that were buried yes. and we're unearthing them now. It's like, wow. Yeah. Just now, giving you some money fair, acknowledging what what's never going to change about the world, you know. Okay, <laughs> bye. Remember that movie Contagion? What a, what a you know, overhyped thing. What, an, outla- what an outlandish piece of fiction. Man. Um, so uh, all that's to say that we're going to take a couple segments tonight to read off all these names and... Uh, some of them date back quite far, and uh, again, if you haven't heard your name anytime in the last six months, including tonight, let us know at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. So, let's start by thanking a few people. (laughs) Thank you to Stephen G. from Charlottetown, California, Mesfin Mebrate, Ryan from Salt Lake City, Colin Hambrook, Joseph S. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Muhammad Muhammad from Auckland, New Zealand, Lao Chong Hang from Avondale, Arizona, Belinda P. from San Francisco, California, Jordan Towles from Burbank, California, Nicholas Gardner, William Kang, Shang Chen from Elliott City, Maryland, Frank Grubich from Downers Grove, Illinois, Daniel Horton, Stephen Garrity, Justina Hall, Travis Olding from Sudbury, Canada, Jacob Chandler from Laurel, Mississippi, 
uh, Jesse Mahan from Philly, Igor Rogov, Benjamin Ward, and Albert N. from Seattle. Now, some wow. of those I actually may have read off uh, the first time around, but you know what? Uh, sure. I'm going to, I, I just like, you know what? I'm going to double up just in case. You know, You're saying like the uh, the credits from the Daily over here, Dave, which I've clocked. That thing is getting to like two minutes of just credits. <laughs> the credits it's from insane. the Daily Podcast yeah. in the New York Times, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, this email, or this message, I should say, came in with a donation from Dylan N. from Los Angeles, California, who made a very generous donation, and he writes in, I have enjoyed listening to the Slash Filmcast and the Watchers podcast before that since its inception. Wow. I was lucky that when you guys created the show, I was starting film school, and it just lined up for me as I was looking to expand my understanding and knowledge of film. Needless to say, I've learned more from your shows than I ever could on my own, and for that, I wanted to say thank you. I'm embarrassed to say I have often thought about donating, but one thing or another came up to stop me. However, I see no better time than now to address that shortcoming. I hope it helps in some regard to keep the mics on at a time when we can all use some thought-provoking film conversation. Finally, my independent uh, friends and family feature, Soundwave, released last week domestically. It's taken four years from start to finish to get it out there, and I'm really excited for people to see it. The film is a sci-fi neo-noir, and the logline is, a, teenager's a teenage inventor's life spirals into chaos when a nefarious group discovers he's invented a device that can hear into the past. Mm. Please believe me that my donation is no way contingent upon anything from you guys. Just wanted to provide a link for you to watch my movie, and let me know what you think if you have the time. Thanks so much for everything you do. That comes Man. from Dylan. Congratulations, Dylan, great. on your Congrats. first movie. I'm, I'm very sorry. We uh, yeah, we couldn't help the box office for this movie. Oh, okay, actually, oh, no, no, this donation came in this week. So that one is from this week, guys. <laughs> okay. What okay. a cool concept. That's yeah. really cool. Hearing That's the really cool. I like it. Dig it. So thanks uh, to Dylan for letting us be part of your life for, I guess, a decade. Thanks also to Gareth from Cohasset, Massachusetts, who writes, Hi, guys. It's been a few years since I've hit the donate button, so I figure it's about time. Like, one of my previous donators... I don't really have a special story to share. Does sitting at the next table to Dave and his folks in Boston just before his live Primary Instinct show count? But I just want to say thanks to the three of you. You can be a rare moment of joy in my daily commute or now my monthly missions to buy beer. Given that I have a just-turned-four-year-old and a just-turned-two-year-old, oh I feel like I have a soulmate in Jeff. The days are unrelenting. Even pre-COVID, holy melon-farming shoes, it's hard. Oh, yeah. Anyway, thanks again for being a constant companion in the last 10 years of my life. P.S., my daughter is utterly hooked on Bluey and makes demands to see it several times a day. Happily, my wife and I love it too and indulge her pretty often. Ah, oh, Bluey is so good. I've so heard good. that the second season of Bluey is even better than the first, but it is not available in the U.S. yet. So uh, just in Australia right now. So when is that second season of Bluey coming to the States? I need it. I need that Bluey. Thanks to all your... <laughs> We're just going to let that sit there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks again to everyone for your donations, and apologies if some of those thank yous came a little bit late. I got to jump in here and tell you about our next sponsor, which is Hunt a Killer. You know, we're all staying in these days, and uh, we're cooped up with our significant others, or maybe even by ourselves, and there's only so much movies and TV shows you can watch before you want to engage your brain a little differently, allow me to introduce you to Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer is an interactive puzzle that is sent to you every month that tells a story. You are actually on the trail of a serial killer. And it, it kind of reinvents a way to interact with murder mysteries. You go from being the viewer 
of of a, a show, a procedural, to actually being an investigator involved in solving the case. It's really cool. It's a great way to bond with your significant other or maybe even friends. If you hop on Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or something, you can you can do these uh, over uh, over long distances as well as we're all sheltered in place. Uh, but it's a great thing to do to bring out my wife and I have been doing these uh, every month as we get them. And it's cool. It it continues an evolving story over the time. And what, what happens is you get this new delivery in the mail. Uh, and then what we do is we wait a few days to make sure it, you know, it's, it's clean. <laughs> you know, we don't open things we get in the mail these days so fast, but we wipe it down with disinfecting wipes and we bring it in the house. And it's so awesome to get a new piece of the story Every month you go through these these documents, evidence, audio recordings, and case files. You start eliminating suspects, and you work on cracking the case. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like uh, doing an escape room or, or something like that. It's, it's, it's a bunch of puzzles, and it's easy to play. Whether you're by yourself, you can do it as a solo adventure as well, or putting brains together with friends or family. It's so, so much fun. We really dig it. So check out hunt a killer and right now just for listeners of the slash filmcast you can go to huntakiller.com slash filmcast and use promo code filmcast at checkout and you'll get yourself 20 percent off your first box so give it a shot i think you'll find it's really pretty fun in a different kind of activity that you and your loved ones will enjoy head to huntakiller.com slash filmcast for 20 percent off and show support for our podcast huntakiller.com slash filmcast Let's move on to what we've been watching this week. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? I have been watching a couple of documentary series that take me to back to a happier time. A time I like to call the 90s. Oh, the 90s. They were so simple, it seems. Uh, so I have been watching both the Beastie Boys story and the Last Dance. And we'll take those in order. The Beastie Boys story is the new... Apple TV. Is it called Apple TV? I don't even know what it's called. Is it App Apple TV? Apple TV Plus. Apple TV, Apple TV Plus. Plus. So many pluses. Yes, there's lots of pluses around here. Uh, this is uh, Spike Jonze and the Beastie Boys doing what was a live concert uh, sort of spoken word remembrance. Walk down memory lane of the entire story of the Beastie Boys. Of course, only... Two-thirds of the Beastie Boys are still living, which is very sad. But um, much of this was an ode to um, the the member that, that passed away, um, um, uh, MCA. And it, it is really a very kind of loosey-goosey, almost like a PowerPoint presentation uh, with Mike D and uh, Ad-Rock. And they uh, – it's very enjoyable. It's very it's very sweet. It shows a lot of uh, images and footage that you just couldn't get without their complete cooperation and enthusiasm for the project. I mean, it really is a glimpse behind the curtain into what how the Beastie Boys came to be and what it was like for them on this this crazy ride that that they had for decades of making music. And I'm a big Beastie Boys fan. I I grew up with them. I remember very vividly being very young and being on the swing swing set. I don't know what how old I must have been like six or seven. <laughs> and just singing uh, uh just jamming to the Beastie Boys. No, just without them Boy. there, without any yeah. music there, just just saying the lyrics to Paul Revere 
over and yeah. over as I swung on the swings. Like just, that's <laughs> what I would do. Anyway, so I'm a I'm a fan, uh, and I think their music is is actually quite good. It got it got very good as they matured, and this is a, a fun a fun view into that, especially if you're a fan. I found it a little too loosey goosey. Actually, I would have preferred it perhaps being a bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's in, in it's on brand for the beastie boys, right? It's their thing was kind of being irreverent and not really caring. And that's kind of how it comes off. There's a number of moments where they speak directly to Spike Jones, who has messed up something or, or done something wrong. And I even felt a few of those were like purposeful mess, like meant to set up a joke that didn't really land. Um, so not a complete home run for me, but well worth watching, especially if you're a fan of the Beastie Boys, just for the view of of their early days and so much behind the scenes footage that really is is very charming and interesting to see. I have heard great things about this documentary. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you enjoyed it as well, Jeff. It's called Beastie Boys Story. Yeah. It's on Apple TV Plus right now. How long is it, by the way? I, I didn't know if it was a, a single... Uh, movie or if it was like a multi-part series? No, it is a single. It's like, um, I think it's like a, a two hours, I think, uh, right around two hours. And it's uh, it's them just standing on stage in front of a live audience presenting this. They have a big movie screen behind them that shows slides and uh, film footage. And they often comment on it or joke around uh, based on it or stop and interrupt each other and make jokes. I mean, it's very, very loose, but it was clearly rehearsed as a live spoken word piece. Um, so it's, it's strange. It's not a, it's not a typical documentary in the sense that it is, you know, we cut to uh, interviews or narration or anything like that. It's, it's literally these two, the two surviving members of the beastie boys presenting their life. Like they're like, we're watching their home movies basically. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, well, it's beastie boy story on Apple TV plus. What else have you been watching Jeff? I have been watching the ESPN docu-series, The Last Dance, which is all about the Chicago Bulls of the late 90s who were striving to get their sixth championship. Um, yeah. Have you, either of you guys been watching any of this? No, I haven't, haven't been watching it. I'm looking forward well, to it. Lots of Twitter chatter. Yeah, because yeah, it's airing on about. a weekly basis right now. It's right? airing it's on a like, daily yeah. basis. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah it, okay. it is like there, it's, it, it's coming out. The, the crazy thing is that you can't really stream it. So you sort of have to watch it. It's there's no place to stream it that, that I know right. of. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Uh, it's an old-fashioned form of tune into ESPN when it airs on these times on these days, and uh, it is. Yeah, it's it's like it was back to back, and then a week later it was back to back again. I think, and I don't know. I've been I've been very much enjoying it. It is. Um, it is a really cool, again, very similar to the Beastie Boys thing, a very cool, very candid, behind-the-scenes look at the interpersonal relationships of a very high-profile team of my youth. It, it, you know, the, the 90s Bulls were a dynasty, and they were what every kid wanted to be, right? I, I was a Golden State Warriors fan, and even back then when they were awful, but... I tuned in and watched all of those finals with the Bulls. I, I mean, I, everybody loved Michael Jordan, right? He, he he was basketball. And that time was so crazy with these larger-than-life personalities. Um, 
and th- this docuseries really digs into all that and it's 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 juicy and there's lots of you know there's Michael Jordan now and Scottie Pippen now t- talking about that and there's experts looking back on it and there's all kinds of crazy footage that I'd never seen before. And then there's games and moments that I'm like, oh, I remember sitting and watching my 13-inch CRT television that had a cable box on top of it with that weird clicky, slidey thing that would only go up to 13. Uh, That's what I had in my bedroom as a kid. And I would watch the the NBA. I would watch Michael Jordan. And, you know, I, I just, I will never forget some of those moments and some of those games um, and just the, the hearing the stories behind them and, uh, all of the strife. I mean, it was really a troubled season that they're talking about. Um, I'm finding it fascinating and really well-made, really well put together. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, it's basically the only sports programming that's on right now, pretty much. Cause well, certainly the only new sports, sports programming. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, uh, I am excited to check it out. I, I think, uh, before it came out, you know, I was Hearing chatter online, there's some some doubts about whether uh, something like this could sustain a ten episode docu series, right? Like, yeah, uh, is is it going to be thrilling enough, or is it going to be suspenseful enough to keep people coming back week after week? How do you feel about that? Do you I feel like the urge to continue? It's certainly get, got me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, it's not done, so I'm not. I haven't seen all of it, but man, it is. <sighs> There's so much going on and there's so many big players that, I mean, it's, it, it was a team of superstars and they all had such ego at that point. And, and the organization started treating them terribly and it is, yeah, there's plenty of drama to go around. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'm enjoying it very much. All right, cool. I, I will actually try to check it out. You know, I have a soft spot in my heart for sports documentaries. Um, when I was little, uh, and my family didn't have any money. I would, uh, the only movies I would watch were basically sports documentaries that we'd borrow from the local children's <laughs> library. So I spent like all my time watching like Larry, like a documentary about Larry Bird. And like, huh. it's just like highlight reels about like Larry Bird and like Michael Jordan and all these people. Um, so it was definitely a big part of my youth and, um, ESPN, they do, they, 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 uh, do good documentaries. So looking forward to checking out the last dance, uh, probably is going to be a binger for me when, uh, when this comes out on streaming. It's going to have, I mean, it's a Netflix show and it's available on Netflix overseas, just not in America. Hopefully yet. I'm, I'm assuming there will be a time when it does come out on Netflix, but right now there's really no way to watch it. So other than, you know, yeah. live. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be eventually a way to buy it or um, yeah. maybe you can get it on Blu-ray, like with the O.J. Simpson 10-episode uh, mm-hmm. documentary. Right. Um, well, if you also, if but, you do like one of the digital TV services like Sling, you can go back and rewatch old airings too. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. That should be good. It's the last dance. All right, Devin, your hardware, what have you been watching? I have seen all of Upload, the new Amazon series by Greg Daniels. Greg Daniels! The creator of The Office, King of the Hill, Parks and Rec. He, you know, he wrote on The Simpsons. This guy is huge. He is now stepping into science fiction with this show. And I have to say, I started the first episode with my wife. And uh, fast forward like four or five days, we were through the entire series. Um, it is premiering on uh, May 1st on Amazon Prime. It is very, very good. It's about... Um, 
it's sort of like a near future type thing. Uh, I, I was in a, I'm going to be writing up like an interview with Greg Daniels and the cast and stuff for Engadget, but uh, he pitched it as a philosophical romantic comedy science fiction murder mystery. There's a lot of things all at once. And it's a near future show where um, we have basically been able to create a digital afterlife. Um, so it's very black mirror-y in that way. Like uh, in this world, like if, uh, if, if they detect you're about to die, you can choose to upload yourself to one of these virtual, you know, afterlife servers basically and continue your existence there. And uh, it's a really, it's a really interesting series because it does, it gives us a lot of really interesting high tech stuff like that. And it asks some deeper questions. Like what, what does that mean for our idea of humanity? Right. If we can just continue living indefinitely and just see our, you know, our relatives um, get older in the real world and maybe eventually they'll upload or something. But what does that mean for people who believe in, you know, an actual uh, an afterlife uh, based on religious terms or something but it's also like a really cool science fiction show too because it's all about like high-tech stuff in a world where there is um there aren't many resources so it feels kind of uh really relevant today like we have right today we're surrounded by some of the you know best technology we've ever had um we can do so much but we're, you know we're all living at home because we're fearing a global pandemic right now the first scene of the show is you know the main character uh one of the main characters played by andy allo she is in a crowded subway car and it is so crowded like yeah there's no room to move uh people are wearing masks and the show doesn't set up a pandemic but it's sort of like well yeah maybe in this future they have dealt with shit like what we're dealing with now so it's a world where there is scarcity amid really high tech, you know, futuristic stuff. I find that really fascinating. Um, Andy Allo plays an angel who is basically tech support for these people in the server farms. And she ends up becoming the angel for a guy, um, kind of a rich uh, tech bro who dies in an accident, gets uploaded and discovers that, you know, yeah, something may not be quite right about how he died. Um, so it's sort of a murder mystery in that he's trying to solve his own murder after a point. Uh, I won't say much more. There's a lot going on in the show. If you like Black Mirror, if you like uh, even like romantic comedies, this is it's a straight up romantic comedy at times. It's a surprisingly sexy show at times, which kind of feels weird coming from Greg Daniels. Like there will be explicit sex. There will be explicit nudity. It just feels like uh, I, do, I don't didn't expect this in Parks and Rec. But OK, um, I'm just going with it. I think it's really good. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot to say about it. But for now, just watch it when it premieres. Cool. That is Upload, and it'll be on Amazon Prime Video starting this Friday. Glad you enjoyed it, Devendra. What else have you been watching? Uh, I'm going to talk about a show you guys have probably never heard of. It is called Motherland Fort Salem. Just going to throw that out there. Have you have either of you heard of it? No. I have not this heard is of it. A, it's a freeform show, so that could be why, because we don't really hear too much about freeform content. But I've heard free, a couple- free, Freeform is not an adjective, it is, yeah. or it is an adjective, but it, it is, is also a cable channel. It's a freeform show, man. You can't put it in a category. It just- it just, they just has no the, regard for iambic pentameter here. They just turn it's the insane. camera on, and whatever happens, happens. You just go. Sometimes it's just a comedy. Go. Sometimes it's animated. You don't know. That's basically YouTube, right? It's just like whatever you get. But anyway, this is a show. It's not freeform, but I guess um, they're under, are they under the Disney umbrella now? Because it's also airing on Hulu or they have some sort of deal where all the episodes are on Hulu. Yes, now. it is a basic cable channel owned by Walt Disney. Yes, 
that uh, that rings a bell. But let me tell you, this show is wild. Imagine witches, right? Okay, except witches are real. And during the Salem witch trials, instead of like, uh, you know, the government going out and uh, killing people, they assumed were witches. They formed a pact with the witches and the witches helped America and the witches helped America win wars. And now the witches like um, witches are basically like elite soldiers that uh, they get trained in these academies. And Fort Salem is the one they're you know focusing on here. But it's a place where young girls with magical abilities go and train to support the government. It's really it's wild. It's it's like 24 meets Harry Potter because it gets to be like very patriotic. Um, it opens with a terrorist attack where like. A thousand people commit suicide. It's insane. Like it is, um, it is hardcore, kind of brutal. It's very like teen showy at times too. Uh, but I really like the world building because they like take this stuff seriously in a way that I really respect in science fiction and fantasy shows. Um, so yeah, this is an alternate history United States show. There is, um, you know, there's a new flag with uh, pentagrams on it instead of state stars. The which is like it's a big part of the culture. There is a secession line cut across the middle of the country. It just feels like it, it's a really strange thing because this is a show where they're constantly in fear of massive uh, terrorist attacks. And these terrorist attacks are crazy because it's like the opening scene. I'm just going to spoil it here a bit because it is it's this is the way things start. But a single balloon floats down amid a crowded mall it grows bigger and bigger it pops everyone who hears it proceeds to kill themselves that is to me just a it's it's a horrific image but it's kind of like man it's um it's almost like pandemic-y too like it's it's uh, like a virus that can be spread out like that it's um, very m night Shyamalan's yeah, the very happening. m night Shyamalan. yes very much uh the happening but anyway i'm digging the show i'm digging the style of it um and it's a, you know, it's a mostly female-led show because this is a, you know, an academy with all women being trained uh, by women in charge who have like, you know, respect for their uh, matriarchy and their lineages. I think there's just a lot of cool stuff going here. And um, I'm not usually, I don't have patience for a lot of like teen fantasy shows. There's a lot of CW stuff. Like I just, I've tried, I, I can't really get into. This show I think is like, it is tapping into a lot of things and it's really interesting. So if you're into, if you're just into like witch stuff, if you like the craft, if you watched, uh, you know, if you like the witch stuff from like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's a lot of that in here. I'm really digging it. I'm going to be checking out the rest of the season. Um, I hear it's not like fully consistent, but I really love the world building. And it's just like, it's really committed to this idea of witch soul drillers. It's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. This reminds me your your description of the alternate history of America reminds me of uh, like Transformers the last night. Remember? Yep. Remember yep. how the Transformers helped out Harriet Tubman in the Underground Railroad in that <laughs> yeah, movie? Yeah, and didn't they help out uh, like Merlin in in the Knights yep. of the Round Table? <laughs> they did. That they did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Also, I'm pretty sure they fought against the Nazis as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So uh, they're important. Yeah, another, another notable example of uh, of uh, retconning American history. So. Uh, but you're saying this is better than that, Devendra. This is definitely better than that. Like, I'm really, I'm also looking for just like good, easily consumable TV. And this actually ended up being deeper and heavier than I thought it would be. But it's also, it's like it uh, toes the line between being like really crazy at times. Cause like it's also like uber patriotic in a weird way because 
these witches are basically giving up their lives to serve their country and there's something noble about it. And I'm beginning to wonder, like, is this is this jingoistic propaganda? No, these are witches. What is happening here? Um, there's a lot of stuff happening all at once, but I'm really digging it. Very cool. Well, that is Motherland Fort Salem. It's available on Freeform. How are you watching it, Devendra? It's on Hulu. It's all it's on, on Hulu. Hulu. Or it's airing weekly on Hulu, I believe. Cool. All right. Again, it's Motherland Fort Salem. It's on Hulu. Hey, folks. Mother's Day is coming up. It's right around the corner. Let me tell you about a very, very cool gift that you want to know about. This is our sponsor, StoryWorth. And about a year ago, almost a year ago in June... I told you about StoryWorth, and I told you that I was getting it for my dad for Father's Day, and I have done. It, it has been an extraordinary year. Every week, StoryWorth sends really interesting questions, basically prompts for my dad to write me an email, write me a, a story about his life. They're really interesting questions. They're not just your run-of-the-mill, so, you know, tell me about your childhood. It, they're very specific, and they elicit really specific memories and interesting anecdotes. And my dad has really embraced this idea, and he spends time on it. He really thinks about it. And StoryWorth sends me the emails and, and anybody else that I want to forward it to automatically every week. And so every Monday, my dad is writing up a, a wonderful memory from his life based on these questions from StoryWorth. I get them. And then the coolest thing is this June, after a year has gone by, StoryWorth is going to compile all of those stories and put them into this beautiful book that they're going to send to me. And I will have it as a keepsake for myself, for my kids, that will have all of these things that he's written about his memories of growing up, his, you know, these moments from his life that he recalls. And my dad and I have grown closer over the year because he's been doing this and he's been writing it with me in mind because I gave it to him as a gift. And so now... This year, I'm going to give the same gift to my mom on Mother's Day. I'm so excited. Honestly, I'm telling you, this is an extraordinary way to preserve memories, to create a keepsake book that you'll want to cherish over time. I cannot wait to see my my keepsake book. It's going to be um, it's going to be here in just just another month or so, and I can't wait to get my hands on it and show it to my kids, to my wife, to my sister. I actually ordered a second copy for her. Um, it, it's a wonderful way to bond with the family. And I think it's going to be another wonderful gift this year for my mom. So you should get in on this. You can give your mom the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. You get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash slash filmcast. So you have the slash and then you have the word slash filmcast. And you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash slash filmcast for $10 off. S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash S-L-A-S-H-F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. I'm telling you, this was one of the best gifts I've ever given to any family member. Storyworth.com slash slash filmcast. All right. Let me talk really quickly about what I've been watching this week. Uh, I had a chance to watch this new Netflix series, Unorthodox. Have you guys heard of this uh, show? Yeah. It's been promoted yep. a little bit on mm -hmm. Netflix. It's about a woman who leaves her uh, orthodox um, – let me just – I'll just read the plot summary. A, a, a woman flees an arranged marriage in Brooklyn to start a new life abroad, and then her, patch ca her past catches up to her. Uh, this show is 
pretty good overall. I think the the thing that I would recommend most about it is the fact that the casting is excellent. Um, Shira Haas uh, plays the protagonist, uh, Esther Shapiro, and uh, Amit Rahav plays her husband in the show. And I just think they're both so convincing uh, in what they have to do. Particularly Shira Haas is asked to do a lot. Um, she has to endure the entire range of human emotion throughout the course of the uh, of the four one-hour-long episodes of the show. Um, and uh, I think she does an amazing job. This is like kind of a breakout role for her. The show does a really good job. It kind of flashes back and forth between like the present day of her escaping this uh, orthodox, ultra-orthodox community in Brooklyn. Uh and then kind of flashing back to like when she was in the ultra-Orthodox community, like what that life was like. And the flashbacks, in my opinion, are excellent. They're just so vivid and they create this picture of her life that is loaded with contradictions because uh, it is both a, a place where uh, you derive great comfort in understanding the customs in the sense of family and um, – uh, the the companionship that can result from it uh, and knowing that you're part of a greater community where everyone knows each other and understands each other's business. And of course, there are dramatic downsides to that as well, like the fact that everyone knows each other and each other's business and they're all <laughs> up in your business. Um, and uh, there are obviously ways in which living in the ultra-Orthodox community is uh, – very punishing on the human spirit. And that's what the series is trying to get to. So I think that, and, and you know, it, it's clearly biased in that direction because it's based off of uh, Deborah Feldman's 2012 uh, memoir called Unorthodox, The Scandalous Rejection of My Hasidic Roots. Uh, the, the flashback parts are, again, really excellent. The modern day stuff is okay. It, like the stuff where she's she's escaping and she's going through the things it's okay. For me, the thing that w- would be most interesting about this is how does someone adjust to life outside of this uh, or- ultra-Orthodox community? Mm-hmm. Like Once you've been in that community for your entire life and you are then subjected to modernity, like what happens to a person like that? And the series just seems pretty uninterested in answering those questions. Like, it, Or if it That's answers them, it answers them. In it's an, because Kimmy yeah, Schmidt has already done it. I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if it if it answers them, it answers it in a in a fairly unsatisfying or uninteresting way to me. Like a lot of the stuff that happens in the present day feels um, f- felt like emotionally it didn't really ring as true to me as the stuff in the flashbacks, and so a little bit disappointed by that. But uh, ultimately, I think that the central performance again, uh, Shira Haas is just so good in this that I, I'd still overall recommend the show. And it's depicting kind of uh, stories of people that we usually don't see depicted on TV or in, on the big screen. You know, like uh, there's very few TV shows I've seen that kind of depict this community and what it's like to live there. And and even from the perspective of an outsider, what that's like. So, um, which this, you know, the, the main character becomes. So anyway, uh, those are my thoughts on or- Unorthodox. Uh, a bit of a mixed bag, but uh, overall still like it. And would recommend you check it out. On Netflix, is this something mm-hmm. that you guys had had considered watching at some point? I'm yeah, just yeah, I've seen people talking about it, so it seems I'm into it. Yeah, it, Jeff Kanata. It is. Think? Uh, I think it was like number four on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so of course. You know, they're, to- they're top ten that you love so yes. much, right? So of course. 
piqued my interest. No, I, I, yeah. I, I'll be open to, to watching it, certainly. I will say this, um, bit of a downer. Yeah, bit that's a how of the show. it kind of felt. You know, I can imagine. <laughs> that's yeah. how it kind of it's felt. It's not a... Yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is the challenge that I've had over the course of the last few weeks is uh, getting through life mentally intact for many people is a challenge. And um, w- at the end of that, m- uh, at the end of a day where uh, my wife has been working really hard and I've been working really hard, uh, you just want to watch something that you can just sit back and enjoy and not think too hard about and that is not sad. And that is, as my wife puts it, peppy and cheap. That's that's why I've been watching shows about the 90s, dude. It's just like I've been sitting around going, hey, remember the 90s? <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh... <laughs> It's nice to just transport yourself back to a different time and that specifically a time that I lived through that I uh, that was, you know, I was younger and therefore had fewer worries in general, but also, you know, just seemed like a different time. Mm. Yeah. All, all that was basically just a long way of saying I could not convince my wife to watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I, I showed her the trailer and. I said, uh, so what do you think? She's like, oh, oh, hell no. There's no way I'm watching that with yeah. you. Um, you free, man, you should be watching The Good Fight, but that also means you should probably watch The Good Wife, wife too. But yeah. that is the peppiest show on TV right now. It is wild, and I have nobody to talk about it with because nobody wants to uh, – very few people watch it. It's uh, – I don't know. It's crazy. CBS I've heard it's, Yeah, I've heard it's great. I've it's incredible. It's great. Yeah. You're talking about The Good Fight, which is on CBS All fight. Access, right? Yeah. We sat yeah. down the, and tried to start The Good Wife – and the first season is so uh, episodic and so it procedural. Is. It's very episodic. There is like there is a long running narrative. I'd say like maybe by season two they get into it. I was like I was down with the Good Wife, so it didn't take much for me to be into the Good Fight. Uh, I think both series are phenomenal, and it's unfortunate that they're yeah people just don't watch it because they don't watch CBS shows. So I, I don't just, know. it's worth getting into if you guys have a big you know you want to make a big epidemic streaming watch or something. Uh, so yeah. the only other thing I'll think, uh, uh, last thing I'll say about unorthodox is I, I tried to see if my wife would watch it with me and she said, no, I, I won't after watching the trailer. And, uh, now that I have watched the sh- whole show, I am really glad I did not show it to her. <laughs> well, there you go. Because I'm going to tell you that, uh, it would not have lifted her spirits. Yeah. So. There you go. Anyway. Uh, that is unorthodox is on Netflix right now. Uh, so in the never-ending quest to find something that we could watch, uh, I decided to pull out uh, something that was on the Blu-ray shelf for quite some time, which is my uh, Hayao Miyazaki Blu-ray set that apparently is no longer being sold anymore, by the way. Uh, I'm very uh, jealous you have that, and I yeah. don't. Yeah. Uh, Disney released it, and now they no longer have the rights, and I don't know. I think it's like G-Kids has the rights to it. Yes, G-Kids um, has it, yeah. And have they released the Blu-ray set, like another Blu-ray set yet? I think it's coming. I think they announced it's coming, yeah. Yeah, So, but it's not out yet, right? So, Not that um, so anyway, uh, uh, pulled out the yeah. It says uh, according to a December press release, G Kids to re- release full Studio Ghibli uh, film library on digital transactional platforms. Uh, so that's already happened, I think. Um, that's happened. It's on. But, yeah, but it's the on Blu-ray the has not happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need the discs. Yeah, yeah. So I watched the Blu-ray, and uh, so I pulled I pulled it out, and I said, "Hey, which one of these do you think we should watch?" Uh, we landed on My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, I am going to read a review. By David Jenkins uh, over at letterbox.com. 
this is uh, Letterboxd.com, a site I've been really getting back into. I was actually profiled on Letterboxd.com recently. Check that out if you have a chance. David Jenkins wrote about My Neighbor Totoro uh, the following. Quote, no plot, no central character, no antagonist, no defined purpose for side characters, no threat, no three acts, no jokes, no punchlines, no explanations, no internal references, no catchphrases, no political polemical voice, no melodrama, no lessons, no beginning, no end. One of the best films ever made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he's right. Yeah. He's right. I, yeah. I think I, I think I probably. It's agree a perfect with that. movie. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, have you seen My Neighbor Totoro before? Uh, I don't think Totoro I've seen fan? that one actually. The kids will love it, Jeff. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a it's a great yeah. kids movie. Um, but it's also uh, I, I think everything David said is is accurate. David Jenkins said is accurate on on Letterbox. But I also think that uh, there's so many little tiny details that the movie gets right. Like there's these two uh, girls that are kind of the protagonists of the movie, and it just freaking nails that depiction of those kids. It's just like so feels so authentic. Uh, not to mention these character designs. You know, flipping through the Studio Ghibli uh, like Blu-ray set, the thing that I'm struck by is how iconic these designs are. Like, you look at one image and you're like, okay, that's my neighbor Totoro. You look at, you know, that's Castle in the Sky, and uh, just like the the one image is just enough to to let you know what the title of the movie is, and uh, that just requires a lot of ingenuity, a lot of skill. Um, a lot of creativity and brilliance, and uh, and I admire it. So, this was actually my first time watching the movie ever, and uh, I, I had a good time with it. And I think it's a great movie to. It's a great family film. So, mm-hmm. if you have a chance, check it out. It's my neighbor Totoro. Uh, it's one of the movies I was able to watch. And finally, wanted to give a big shout out to a couple quick things. You know, uh, FX is now putting all their stuff on Hulu, mm-hmm. which is pretty yeah. cool. Uh, so anything that's ever been on FX, you can now stream on Hulu. And uh, there's a couple shows that are on Hulu that I've been checking out recently, just to unwind. You know what we do in the shadows. Season two yes. recently premiered. So good, and it's a lot of fun. I thought uh, season one took a little bit of time to get going, but by the end, I was really hooked. And season two, I mm-hmm. I have full confidence that it's going to become its own thing. It's very enjoyable. If you like the movie, you're going to like the show. It's what we do in the shadow season two. Yeah. Also, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Still chugging along. Yeah. Uh, season fourteen was the most recent one, and uh, yeah, it's just a nice little. You know, you can just put it on the background. There's there's no real continuity between episodes. I've been watching that too. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is an episode in season fourteen that's uh, called uh, "The Janitor Always Mops Twice." Yeah. I think, and it's it is basically a film noir version. Of it's always sunny, sunny Philadelphia. Uh, no framing device, no explanation for why they're doing it in film noir <laughs> style. Uh, it's just like one day, hey, everyone is like, looks like they're from the 1940s or 1920s, and uh, they're all lit in film noir style, and they're all wearing old clothes, and uh, everyone's in black and white except for some people. Uh, and yep, now we're just gonna do a film noir episode, no explanation. Um, and I admire that they just can do that now because they've been going on for so long. They can just do that. Do you see the film noir episode? Jeff? I did. Yeah, it's it's great. It it feels like every season they have one or two episodes where they just take big swings and do something wild. Yeah. And that felt like the one for this season, or maybe there'll be another. But um, yeah, man, I uh, I gotta say that show, uh, it, it's it's <laughs> it's still what it is. You know, like the, <laughs> the world has changed 
in in the time that they've made it, and they haven't. You know, that's it's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I have been tempted to make that my background viewing. By the way, um, uh, I would say yeah. it is solid background viewing. Yeah, you know, I, it's always I, I, seemed I like that. I don't think it's you could object to it being background viewing. If I don't focus on them being awful, like I feel like I can get through it much more easily. So yeah, in the background makes sense. Yeah, but that is a, that is a fascinating show because uh, it has won virtually no awards right even though it has been <laughs> extremely successful like successful enough that it has been going for 14 seasons they actually had an episode making fun of the fact that they are never acknowledged by the academy or emmys you know like they, they actually were uh self-deprecating about the fact that they never win any awards and um and they also have not been quote-unquote canceled and i don't mean canceled in the sense of um uh, the uh, like the show is no longer in the air. I mean, the fact that they have people wearing blackface and brownface and yeah. saying all kinds of terrible things <laughs> and unpolitically correct things. Uh, it's not even. It's not even like they've weathered the storm. It's like I don't even think there's been a storm. You know, yeah. I, it, it's <laughs> like in a weird cultural vacuum where I think it has its fans and they're they're legion. It seems, but. Also, it's not big enough for people to like really start objecting to things. I, I, I disagree. Know. I actually disagree. I think I don't know. the reason why there's been no objections is because, or there have been very few objections, is because mm-hmm. the protagonists are so clearly positioned as despicable. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I think there's that a, too. But yeah. I, that's the problem. That's the problem, though, right? Is that like a lot of these things that are that where you're depicting these characters doing these, like, you know, things that are unsavory, or they're wearing blackface, or they're doing these terrible things. It's because. Uh, maybe the show creator is like, oh, well, this is going to be so obviously terrible that no one will want to emulate it. <laughs> the Archie Bunker thing, yeah. Right, but yeah. then like, the, yeah, exactly. But then the person is so cool or so likable <laughs> or so whatever that inevitably people do emulate them. But like, no one wants to emulate these losers because they're so terrible, <laughs> right? And that's it's one a perfect of the- storm of being awful, I guess. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. they're just so completely irredeemable that it, <laughs> there's no mistake. You should not... Uh, want these people as role models. And I think that is one kind of piece of armor they have mm-hmm. that has uh, allowed them to survive despite uh, being probably probably one of the, if not the most politically incorrect show on television. Yes, right? I mean, you, 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 so. there's the race, uh, sexism, homophobia, yeah. ageism. Yep. I mean, it is every, <laughs> literally, go down the list, every <laughs> single thing they can do they do in that show uh it is uh it's remarkable to watch it that's why i say it's like somehow the world changed and they didn't they're just still doing (laughs) that thing it's pretty wild yeah that's funny yeah so i want to throw a quick shout out by the way back to what we do in the shadows there's a gag in season one of that show that i still laugh at to this day (laughs) like i think about it and i just think like man they how'd they pull that off that's amazing so if you started watching it and you thought it was just the movie rehashed it is really worth finishing the first season. Let me just yeah, say. Again, the first three episodes are like a movie rehash, yeah. in my yeah. opinion. And yeah, that, yeah. That's, that was like kind of rough to get past. I'm like, there's nothing new here. And then you get past it, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's new things. Um, they really go different places. Jeff Kanata, you, you've you been catching up with uh, what we do in the shadows? No, I, di- I did fall off after the first two or three episodes of the show because I did feel like, oh, this is just... Uh, as, as much as I love John Barry and mm-hmm. the... The actors that they have are, are good. Matt Berry. Matt Berry, excuse me. Yeah. Matt Berry, pardon me. How dare you? I, I love yeah. Matt Berry. I think he's brilliant. But um, He's so good. John Berry, very talented editor. Yeah. Just putting that <laughs> yes. out. Okay, anyway. Uh, 
<laughs> also, I like Frankenberry, uh, which is a delicious. <laughs> oh, wow. Cereal. Okay. Um, I, I will say the show gives him more time to shine later on in season one, too. Also, like, everybody gets more time to shine. He's amazing. Also, Ch- uh, Chuck Berry, um, very, very talented musician. Yes. Uh, who who mm. learned uh, his music from Marty McFly and Back to the Future. That's my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anywho, I said all that to say that... I, I... Crunch berries are my favorite <laughs> cereal. Okay, anyway, go ahead. I, uh, I'm a fan of Barry Manilow. Uh, very talented <laughs> okay. singer. You t- you're taken away from Barry now, though. Barry Manilow. That was a, bar- that was a Barry, though. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, uh, that's how I'm evolving the joke, Dave. Come on. Mm. Have you guys <laughs> seen the show uh, Barry <laughs> on FX? <laughs> Very good. Uh, <laughs> um, anywho, I say that to say that I it did feel like oh man I just saw better a better performance of this in the film mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. I fell off of it but I I'm very pleased to hear that it has found its own voice and I, I there's at least I want you to see one thing Jeff I just want <laughs> you to see one thing in season one okay and I feel like you will also enjoy it as much as well I, I loved the uh, the the vampire the soul vampire. Yeah, I, I that, energy, energy vampire. Yes. Energy vampire. Uh, yeah. That yeah. idea alone is is worth the price of admission. It's just because we all have that person oh, in our office yes. when we had offices, but we all have that person. Yes. It's amazing. It's, it's a genius, genius idea, and I loved that the show introduced that. But no, I I didn't stick around. I I really should return to that show for sure. It's it's you know when you're describing what you're looking for in your life right now, Jeff, yeah. in terms of the media you're consuming, yep. this fits yep. that yeah, bill. You're right. You're it right. is. You know, this is like you, you don't need to think too hard about it. It's pretty funny. It's very enjoyable. It's well put together. I will watch Matt Berry do anything at this point too. So yeah, he's uh one of the berries that I enjoy. There's a, a list of others. Uh, <laughs> shall we get to them? No, we're good. We're good. Uh, so that's what we do in the shadows. It's uh, season two, and also it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, season fourteen. All that stuff is on Hulu right now. It's time to tell you about our sponsor, Lightstream. You know we are in uncertain economic times, to say the least. The last thing you want is a credit card bill hanging over your head. I am somebody that believes very, very strongly in paying off my credit card completely every single month. It is such a relief knowing that you're not paying extra. You're not paying more than the price. And Lightstream is a way to pay off those awful credit card bills and lower your interest rate. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates from just 5.95% APR with auto pay and There's absolutely no fees. Some of these credit cards are giving you absolutely suffocating APRs. You can actually roll balances from multiple credit cards into a single monthly loan payment from Lightstream. Get out from underneath that and and try to get yourself into that place where you don't have any debt. I'm telling you, it's a better way to live. And just for listeners of the Slash Filmcast, apply now and get an additional interest rate discount to save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash filmcast. That's lightstream.com slash filmcast for an additional discount. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Subject to credit approval, rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash filmcast for more information. All right, one last thing before we get to our review, uh, which is we got some more donors to thank, guys. I know this is a shock. Um, 
But I uh, want to thank a few more donors here. Uh, so Neil Smithies and Francesca Terrell, thanks so much for their contributions at the rate of $2 per month. Uh, and thanks to the following donors. So this email, this comes from Jacob Chandler. Uh, I actually read his name earlier, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, Jacob Chandler writes in, Hey guys, I'm long overdue on donating to, to show my appreciation for you guys, not just because this is literally my favorite podcast, but also because it inspired me to get into podcasting myself. Huh. In fact, my brothers and I host a small weekly podcast called We Make This Look Good, where we watch Men in Black every single week for a whole year and talk about My. it. Even though it's only a year commitment, <laughs> we've had a ton of fun and learned a lot about podcasting and Men in Black, obviously. Note to those interested, the first few episodes are bad. Start in the middle. We want to thank Devendra for consistently defending Men in Black 3 for actually being a good movie. It's good! <laughs> We're trying to spread the word about this as well. You're welcome to guest on the show anytime. And thank you all for ripping apart Men in Black International. It was well-deserved, and we felt the same way. Yes, this message is a plug for the podcast, but it's also truly genuine appreciation for your show and for keeping us going throughout the year. You, so usually, we try not to like read plugs with these uh, donations, but I, I just thought We Make This Look Good is a great title for a Men in Black podcast. It's so good. Um, <laughs> And also, also great. that that movie is so good, you could watch it yeah, every that's week a good, and still that's a good movie. talk about it. Like there's a, there is a uh, there was, but okay, I could, I I would Jeff, gladly. Men in do Black that. is so yeah. ridiculous. I'm not saying there it's was, not. It's it's fine. I don't think it's great, but I think it's it's good. Okay, it's good, but it's not. Yeah. Again, again, I don't think you're getting the level that we're saying. Well, <laughs> this is what, yeah. It's it's a it's a miraculous movie. Well, I don't like, think I don't thing. agree like, with that. It's insane that so many things work well in that movie. Like it's just so it's a. Yeah, it's a whole but thing. It's a, a, I don't agree with that. Yeah. B, that wasn't the point I was making. The point I was trying to make was, <laughs> I don't think there are very, very few movies I would be willing to put myself through every single week. Oh, I have a, I have a personal list of like perfect movies that I would gladly you, do but that do, isn't that, and, yeah. Isn't that locking you in the closet with the box of cigars? Isn't that what, the equivalent of taking a <laughs> movie you think is perfect and forcing you to hate it? Isn't that what that would be? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> We've, you guys we've heard, kept you guys heard this about this podcast, so uh, yeah. The Worst Idea of All Time? You guys heard yes. about the podcast? No. Yeah. no. Yes. So th that is a podcast where they tried to watch the Adam Sandler movie Grown Ups 2 every single week. See, that's torture. Or like, or yes, what the McElroys do. For, for 52 For 52 the weeks. The McElroys do the Till Death Do Us Blart, which may be the best <laughs> title of anything ever, uh, which is where they will watch <laughs> Paul Blart every year until they die. Uh, and they will one or two talk about it, uh, and I mean that's a Wasn't there a second brilliant one? idea. Yeah. But I kind of fundamentally don't understand these like let's drive ourselves insane podcasts. I just don't, I don't get it. People, people, I think people come for the insanity. Sure. Like if you have a good enough mixture of people, like it's that. But also, I, I, I don't know. I just really love. Men I life. understand I'm the audience enjoying like watching people slowly go insane. I get the draw for the audience. I don't get the draw for the creators. Like why? What is that about? What is the, the idea of let's watch the thing every week until we melt into a pile of goo? I don't get it. It's sort of like, I think it's an interesting creative exercise too. Like uh, we've talked about this before. Roger Ebert used to do the thing where he would like play a movie was like over the course of, of a day or something. And they would like analyze a minute or something very short, like just very short bits of a movie slowly over time. And this is something on the... It, to me, this is even less excruciating. Well, I love those that, minute you know. podcasts. Those minute, the, every, the Star yeah. Wars minute. I I was on uh, the Goodfellas minute that the <laughs> iFanboy guys did. It's the same thing. It's not the same Come thing. On, it is so not the same thing. <laughs> and that you're not just constrained to a minute. You can talk that about is like you a know, super in depth yeah. view of a, a movie. You know, you, you really appreciate <laughs> a, a, 
in a second at a time or a minute at a time. Yeah. The idea of what if watching you appreciate the all film... eighty-five minutes of a movie over and over? <laughs> okay, I don't think we're going to solve this problem on this episode. But uh, so here's how long ago this message came in. This actually came in um, before Men in Black Three uh, came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, also, no, <laughs> that's not true. But this message also happened uh, in the time since this donation came through. The the We Look we Make This Look Good podcast has now ended. Uh, so, sorry They went that. insane um, and yeah. had to stop. But it's also, Jacob Chandler coincidentally wrote in an email this week. The, sad part about, the response... saddest part about this is how much publicity we're doing for their podcast that does not <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> Like, if we had literally read this at the time it was sent in, this podcast may still be going. So, Jacob Chandler also also wrote in, uh, coincidentally, that he is from Mississippi. And a couple weeks ago, I read a donation from a Bobby from Flowood, Mississippi. And he's like, Jacob said, hey, that's... That's right near where I am, and I there's no one else in Mississippi that listens to the Slash Filmcast. I would love to hang out with Bobby from Flowood, Mississippi. So, Bobby, if you're listening, I don't have your email address. So if you want to connect with Jacob from Mississippi, email in, and we will connect you to so you guys can hang. Okay. Love the service. We do. It's great. All right. Uh, dear Dave, this one comes from Sam Landis. Uh, my donation can best be summed up in a limerick. Donating to Slash Film, I just gotta. To support Chen Hardwar and Kanata. While I miss Quigley's wit, Jeff is a good fit, like the counterpoint in a Bach cantata. Wow. Nice. Done. Pretty good limerick there. I love it. This there. was okay. sent in shortly after Quigley left the show. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say shortly after Bach wrote his last <laughs> yeah, cantata. <laughs> Mason from Covington, Kentucky writes... After listening for more than six years, I'm not going to say when this was donated, <laughs> um, I finally decided to donate a small price to pay uh, for the hundred, the dozens of hundreds of hours of quality content you've put out. If you could give a shout out to my girlfriend, Jasmine, who is a new listener. Happy, happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. I uh, hope they're still together. Oh, happy man. Valentine's Hopefully. Day 2018, honey. I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm losing it over here. Okay. This is the best. This is the best. Time shifting shout outs. I love it so much. Okay. okay. He already okay. told her he got her a shout out on her favorite podcast. And uh, that relationship just fell apart because it never uh, happened. He was he lying. Was like, Honey, just He's keep a listening. Liar. I'm sure they're going to do it. <laughs> Tune in on the Valentine's okay. Day episode, baby. The, I. I sent I sent money in. They can't ignore it. <laughs> I'm dying over here. I'm dying. Okay. Oh my god! All right. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. It's gonna get worse. Jeff, you want to read? It's about to one? get worse. Monique F writes, "It's my birthday, and I wanted to support my favorite podcast. I so appreciate what you guys do." Dave, excellent hosting. Devendra, appreciate your feminist takes. And Jeff, keep the limericks coming. P.S. Get a library card. Uh, get a library card and check out the free e-resources. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good happy idea. Birthday, yeah. Monique, happy birthday, Monique. Whatever that may have been. Ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That was regrettably quite a long time ago. So, um, sorry about that. Happy okay. birthday, Monique. <coughs> mm, excuse me. All right. 
hello, Dave, uh, Devendra, Jeff, and everyone else at Slash Film have been a regular listener since 2009. And for me, no movie experience is complete without listening to you talk about it. Also greatly appreciate you chatting about anything, not least in these corona times. Oh, hey, corona times. So it's recent. When there is some comfort in having uh, some things staying the same. I've had a bad conscience for quite some time about not supporting you directly. So here is finally a donation. Please stay well and safe and keep up the great work. That's from Thomas Alvin from Brussels. Uh, a message here from Jacob Chimilar. Hey, Slash from Cast I'm sending this along to de- help defray the cost of sanity required for staying inside. And also with a request for a review. I'd love it if at some point you could cover the new long-form improv specials Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix. I've seen them twice live, the first being an inaugural show, the second in a venue twice that size. I was amazed at their ability to be funny, quick on their feet, but also paint themselves into corners and the hilarity of them trying to work their way out. These specials are pretty good at capturing that magic, and when they tour next, I'd highly recommend checking them out. End quote. So, I, I did see the first episode of that. It is it's so good. good. Yeah. It's so good. Those guys are very, yeah. very yeah, good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, so we usually don't like take donations to do reviews, but I did want to mention them because it is interesting because uh, improv has rarely been filmed. Yeah, it usually right? like, doesn't translate. Been very, yeah. It usually doesn't translate well, and it certainly hasn't been filmed like this. This They used nine cameras yeah. to film this special, <laughs> uh, and they did it in a way that is like pretty cinematic, right? A yeah. lot of improv is like, you know, two, three cameras, like if, when, when you've seen it filmed, which is extremely rare. Uh, the, the magic is that there's a you're, you know you're in this audience like anything could happen you're watching something that's there for the next hour and then it's gone and that's what's magic about, about improv and that's why people have had a really difficult time getting it on the air or getting mm-hmm. a special made for a streaming platform or what have you and uh, this this is probably the most successful instance of yeah, that yeah. right and it's that most comedy shows are also shot over several nights too so they can like piece together the best you know jokes and the best responses to the jokes and things like that too so that is a thing this reminds me a lot of uh, whose line is it anywhere or anyway because i love that show and there's like nothing like that right now yeah the i yeah. used to uh, years ago i used to go see um adsit and pasquazi who are another two man team that they would uh, middle ditch and Swartz actually do take uh, what is a, a prompt from the audience but uh, adsit mm-hmm. and pasquazi did not and uh, I remember going every night. They did a, a run in L.A. many years ago. And I, I literally went every single night because I could not believe how good – they would do an hour show. And sometimes it was one scene the entire hour. And it was like a movie. It was like a full movie that was completely improvised from start to finish, different every night. It was extraordinary. So these guys are sort of in that tradition of the the two-man – long form improv and they Mm -hmm. good for them. They've managed to figure out a way to bring it to the masses. And, uh, you know, I'm big fans of these two guys. Uh, and, and I think very much worth watching on Netflix. Very good stuff. That's middle ditch and Schwartz. And finally, a last message from Deborah Lynn Compton, who writes in, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for just being awesome. Been listening for a while. Your reviews are always entertaining and fun. It's one of the things I look forward to while I'm staying in during this very strange time we're all muddling through at the moment. Stay safe. Thanks for always bringing a smile to my face. Thanks, Deborah Lynn, for that message. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, (laughs) (laughs) you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash filmcast. We know it's a hard time, so... Please do not donate if it in any way causes you hardship. Um, but do donate if you want us to read a message in a timely fashion. The, it's the, Monique's birthday. I do really feel genuinely bad about that. Sorry about that, Monique. So, I, so. Hope, I hope you're still enjoying 
the shout out <laughs> months later. Um, I'm I'm very glad nobody was like uh, my you know my <laughs> uncle wants to hear his shout out before he <laughs> dies of a terminal illness. God. Yeah, at least we're not dealing with that. You know, that is that's good. Um, so anyway, paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. And of course, if you want to support us without contributing any money, there's a really easy way to do that. Just leave a star rating or a review for us on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts, I should say. It literally just takes, uh, I don't know, 10 seconds to do. Uh, so even right now, as you're listening, you could just do that right now. But uh, thanks again uh, to all of our donors over the course of the last seven months. I'm really sorry I did not read your names out. In a timely fashion, and uh, if there's anyone else who I left out, let me know. I will make it right. All right. Let's get to our review of Extraction. They were hoping if you spin the chamber enough times, you're going to catch a bullet. It's just easy that way. This is an extraction. So who the players? Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh. <laughs> Some mythic shit, huh? It's a kidnapping. Drug lord's son. Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life is worth six hours ago. That was from the trailer for Extraction. You know, guys, this week... I watched a movie produced by the Russo brothers in which it's a major plot point that there are bridges closed off to people trying to get off an island (laughs) while the protagonist, who's played by an Avengers actor, uses his mission to deal with his grief from a family member's death. But enough about 21 bridges. They love closing those bridges. Boom goes dynamite. Man. Let's talk about extraction. Yeah, uh, I guess the Russo brothers really have a a type when it comes to movies, huh? (laughs) Movies that deal with bridges being closed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you sound unconvinced, of, but that's okay. There are a lot of fights on bridges in, in their Marvel movies. Maybe you know? they. Uh, maybe this movie is exploding. just sort of um, a make good on the, on the whole 21 bridges promise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's more bridges and talk of bridges in Extraction than there were in the movie yeah. 21 yeah. Bridges. Key, which, key scenes on bridges. Yeah. Key, see, key scenes on Starts bridges. Starts on a bridge. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right. Okay, anyway, uh, the plot summary of Extraction is as follows. Tyler Rake, a fearless black market mercenary, embarks on the most deadly extraction of his career when he's enlisted to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord. So let me start with this question, okay? Because this is a rated R action film. And I guess uh, we we don't review that many of these on the podcast these days, Uh and, and I, I guess I wanted to ask you, Devendra, mm-hmm. when we are watching a, a new action movie that's not based on existing IP or anything like that, not a superhero film, uh, and that's very much star-driven like this one, you know, Chris Hemsworth is yeah, the yeah. guy who is, like, driving the, the action of the movie, but he's also uh, the guy you're supposed to root for the most. What are you looking for, you know, when you're watching an action movie like this? what 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 is it that makes you feel like, hey, that was time well spent? Because at this point... We've seen you, you and I, all, all the people on this yeah. podcast. We've seen so many hundreds of action films, right? Thousands. So, like, what is it that is going to be uh, something that you will find a time uh, well spent with a movie like this? For me, especially if it's an action movie, like I want 
give me give me the action give me good <laughs> choreography give me action i can see give me stakes give me people to root for give me maybe a halfway decent villain that's pretty nice too but i think really these days like we are seeing so much great action filmmaking from like the folks behind uh, john wick um you know the great choreography great you know stunt actor and stunt performer driven filmmaking is happening right now we're seeing action done in like entirely new ways that i really appreciate so i i want new things and i want like coherent action um and i think this movie mostly gets me there yeah yeah i was gonna say does that deli- does the movie deliver in your opinion I think so. Well, so you sent me the trailer for this, uh, I think, early on. And I looked at it, and it seemed fine. But also by you know a director I don't know, it also seemed like yet another movie about a white dude going in and killing a ton of brown people, yep. which uh, is is the movie. That is the movie. Um, but I do think like this, uh, it does end up balancing things pretty well. Like I think the action itself is really great. Um, not just the one. Like there's a one take in this movie that a lot of people are talking about. And I think it's pretty solid. It's not like, I don't know how, um, uh, you know, real that one actually is because you could definitely still see stitching points, but it's still like really evocative and really, you know, pulse pounding. But I think even in like the other scenes, like the way they frame the angles, even if it's like tilting the camera for a half second to really see, you know, Chris Hemsworth's fist connect to a bad guy's head or something, I really appreciate that stuff. Um, I was complaining uh, during our review of Demolition Man where, you know, Wesley Snipes is being so good, being so like action star in that movie. And it's cut up in a way where you can't see like he he starts a kick and then we we go to another camera angle where he sort of completes the kick. But you can't tell it's one movement sometimes like the the physics of motion the physics of action itself are really hard to tell in some of those older 90s you know action movies now we at least get that even though these aren't like these aren't being shot in a way that like martial arts movies are shot but i still think you can see everything and i i really appreciate that well it's notable Um, that the director is the mm -hmm. stunt coordinator on all the Marvel yes. movies, right? It's his. Yes, he's the so. he's the guy that wants the stunts to look great and look, make the action look cool. Yep, and uh, given the opportunity to actually direct it now, so I think that's probably why. And so. I really, I really appreciate that. Like, I want more. I want the stunt people. Like, they've been making good uh, direct to video action movies. A lot of those stunt directors, they've been doing great work on TV. Uh, there's a lot of you know fantastic Cinemax shows with great action choreography that we don't really talk about very much. Uh, I think this movie gets a lot of things right. Uh, for something two hours long, though, I do feel like um, I don't think the action goes on too much, but I would have liked maybe some more emotional stakes, especially around the kid that they end up uh, saving. So I, I would have liked a little more there. But I th- I still think like there's enough. Uh, this is a movie. This is a very dad movie. And I recommended this to my dad. And also this is a movie set primarily in like uh, India and nearby and to see like Bollywood stars fighting alongside Chris Hemsworth, I think is a really interesting thing. I believe this is a co-Indian production too. Like that's why there are so many stars in here. So like as a as a thing, as a thing that exists, I find it really fascinating too because it is weird to see an American action movie where like you're hearing old Bollywood classic songs in the background and you're seeing major Bollywood actors, you know, fighting alongside these heroes. Yeah, so shout out to Sam Hargrave, the director of this. And as you pointed, this is his first movie, right? So let me just say, I think as a first movie, it's a it's a great accomplishment in terms of action filmmaking. 
I've also been a fan of this guy's stuff for quite some time. Uh, you mentioned he did the action for a lot of the, the stunts for a lot of the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that includes uh, Captain America: Civil yeah. War, which had some really great hand-to-hand fight scenes. Captain America: The Winter Soldier, uh, and of course, Infinity War and Endgame as well. But I also loved his work in Atomic Blonde, which had some awesome action. Yes. There's actually a video online, one of those videos where like he watches the scene from his Atomic Blonde and explains how a lot of those things were done, and it's very entertaining. They do, they do the same thing for this movie as well. There's some kind of behind the scenes for this film, and it's really, really well done. I would check it out on Netflix's YouTube channel, um, but uh, super talented guy, and I actually think that uh, he d- did a great job and... Um, this is what happens when you when you take stunt coordinators and allow them to be directors yeah. is they shoot the action in a way that looks extremely impressive when it comes this to This is the, how the they action. think. You know, this is how they visualize yeah. everything. So I yeah, I love seeing that on screen. I you brought up Atomic Blonde. I do I was more impressed by the winner in Atomic Blonde just because I do it's a little more simple, but I believe like the actual logistics of getting it done we're also like more real too, because this the one in this movie involves a lot more. We'll probably talk about that in spoilers. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Extraction? Well, Dave, I guess you could say <clears throat> yep. that my thoughts on Extraction are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Huh. All right. If you like action that's violent and shooty, this movie's <laughs> a thing of beauty. A bloody creation for a whole generation that was raised on Call of Duty. Mm, nice. Nicely done. Thank you. Nicely done, uh, it Jeffrey. struck me while watching Extraction, having just come off a week where we watched Demolition Man. D- Davindra <laughs> also mentioned this yep. juxtaposition that is fresh in our brains. Uh, it struck me how much action has changed, how we view action as a genre mm-hmm. uh, has has changed dramatically from, you know, obviously, what is that, 30 years ago now. But so I guess that is a long time and we should expect some change, but I would attribute a lot of, especially what we're seeing here in this movie to the education that the average viewer of an action movie has from video games. This movie, I think a lot of its visual uh, um, vocabulary is directly Mm -hmm. lifted from video games. We, you know, we watched... Sylvester Stallone run down a hallway with two pistols extended, screaming and shaking his arms and just (laughs) shooting them, right? And that worked in the 90s because it was more about Sylvester Stallone being angry than it was about anything he was actually doing. And now I think it's really interesting to me to look at this through the context of the fact that so many average people, average action fans, have had the experience of needing to fight through a city street with an, a, a machine gun taking down hordes of enemies. That's how this movie works. Uh, Chris Hemsworth and others are dispatching NPCs wantonly <laughs> as they progress yeah. to a goal, as they're doing an escort mission. Uh, and the movie really speaks in that vocabulary. It speaks in the video game. You know, you talk about that one which we'll get to. I I watched it multiple times. I thought it was excellent, that specific uh, shot, which is multiple minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. And the- 12, 12, 11 to 12 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's, it's, I yeah. thought it was awesome. And we'll, we'll get to the details of it uh, later. But the uh, 
the the part of the fun of it is that the camera disregards any rules of physics. It, it moves through walls. <laughs> it you know. Yeah, it's on the front of cars. Yeah, it does yeah. all kinds yeah, of fun things. things. It, it 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 runs. It it becomes a spectator. Like it has a, like a first person point of view where like it falls at one point and lands and like gets up and looks back up the like like it's aware <laughs> that it just did something. You know, even though it's not a character. You know. <laughs> But oh, man. it behaves in a way that video games behave, right? The camera in a video game, the camera in an Uncharted game doesn't care that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to be a physical camera moved through physical space. It's a video game, right? You're, it, it moves where it needs yeah. to move to show you the action the way you control it. Jeff, Jeff, let me just say here, I like this comparison, but let's not forget both Call of Duty and Uncharted owe everything to action movies call of duty the first call of duty was a response to saving private ryan oh and the normandy beach of course like it is all we're we're like coming back and forth but yeah it is funny to see like video games took that immersive nature of like the normandy scene or indiana jones and the way like those camera movements sold a lot of the action you know in those movies that's directly in in of course it is but i think i think we have come the Ouroboros is eating its own tail at this point because yes, yes. where uh-huh. where they started that way and then became their own thing. Video games, of course, started as as a way to try to put you in a movie. And as the technology improved, the video game kind of transcended, as I said, it, it wasn't beholden to the same physical laws. And now movies mm-hmm. have realized, oh, we can create a, a uh, photorealistic version also not beholden to the same physical laws. Uh, there was a time, like in the '90s, <laughs> when when a camera had to be picked up and moved, and and all that stuff had to happen. And now, it's interesting to me that this movie feels like sequences that I have played in Call of Duty games or in Uncharted games. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't say that as a slight on the film. I think it, I think it's just so fascinating to see that juxtaposition of those two movies as we've watched them back to back. I mean, just how people carry weapons in this movie and move cover to cover, and they. They act in ways that we have all been trained by playing video games to expect as the smart way to move. Uh, I don't think that you expected Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger, even in Predator. He's supposed to be a highly trained, you know, super exclusive, uh, you know, team of the best of the best. They don't do anything that you would do in a video game. They don't do anything that is smart well, that actual SWAT team members would do. But Chris Hemsworth sure does. Let, let me just say, uh, Jeff, uh, I think Sylvester Stallone rappelling down from a helicopter and shouting, Phoenix! <laughs> Uh, as someone tweeted, I believe it was Ben David Grabinski. Uh, that is pure. Yeah, cinema. no, you're right. That you is know. that's that's also exactly what SEAL Team Six does every time. Um, yes. Anyway, yes. I, I I think that, that 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 struck me watching this, but I found this movie to be uh, very watchable. Uh, I, there are surprisingly few action sequences for an action movie for, that's two hours long, but the action sequences are mm-hmm. long and. Um, it feels like a, a a marathon of moment to moment to moment strung together. That's that's pretty cool. I think Hemsworth is great. The dude's a movie star. I really liked uh, uh, Randeep Huda. Uh, so, so good, good. So good. dude. That guy's yeah. awesome. Uh, and you know the the movie kind of packed packed a punch for me at the end. I think it's a little cheap the way we kind of get that all tacked on, but. Ultimately, mm-hmm. um, if you're looking for a just a really violent 
action movie. If you're a fan of the John Wick movies and you kind of want more uh, in that vein, doesn't quite go as far as a John Wick into the comic booky stuff, but it's still, I think, very satisfying and, and a well shot uh, action action movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just say a couple quick things. I think you y'all are right, and <clears throat> I think that. Uh, again, reading Letterbox, and I'll link to a couple of these Letterbox reviews in, in the uh, in the show notes. I uh, I saw Scott Tobias's review, and he wrote uh, about extract. He gave Extraction two stars, and he said, "quote A reminder that without Keanu and with less stylistic bravado and whimsy, the John Wick movies would be merely unpleasant." End quote. <laughs> and uh, no, I, what I, I thought that was pretty brutal, but I think that like there's a reason why the John Wick movies have been so successful, both critically as well as uh, box office wise. And I think it's because they, they gussy up the action, you know, it's like, Hey, Mm -hmm. instead of dude bros being dude bros and like, Ooh, look at how gritty I am and look at how tortured I am. um, It it is, uh, it it kind of makes it, Beautiful. It's operatic. It's operatic. It's beautiful. Yeah. The, the yeah. men are dressed nicely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they have nice haircuts, and uh, they allude to this like broader, sophisticated, refined world that they're part of. And it's like, oh, oh hey, well, look at how uh, how deep this thing goes, and how uh, how beautiful this world is in. And by the way, we're also extremely good at killing. You know, and, and we'll do it in a very uh, gorgeous, balletic way. Uh, John Woo style, you know, uh, with some Jackie Chan thrown in there. And it's like, um, I, I think that uh, I just don't care that much about that kind of stuff. You know, like me personally, it doesn't matter that, hey, like I love the John Wick movies. Yeah. Uh, but but you, also, you've seen the stuff they're referencing, basically, right? Right, so right, like, right, yeah. right. But but I also love this movie, you know, because it's like, hey, for me, when I'm watching this movie, all I care about is is the action good. And <laughs> yeah. yes, okay, uh John Wick's mission about his his dog is like slightly more uh relatable than this guy's dead kid in this movie. You know? Excuse me, sir. It's yeah, pain for his dead wife, not just his dog. Okay, but that's yes. that's true. Um yes. but uh but okay, but by by movies two and three, Devendra, that was like almost completely lost. Movie two, movie. and I've argued this on the show. I think movie two has no motivation. <laughs> but three certainly does. Yeah. So so to me, like I don't really care that much about that kind of stuff. Like to to me, yeah, John mm-hmm. Wick is is probably a slightly more pleasant experience than this one. But really, I'm watching this movie for the action, and um, yeah. On Sometimes that front- you just gotta see Chris Hemsworth like shove a knife through a guy's eye, but like really, really try, like really struggle to do it. Um, well, no, you Devendra, that, right? you're, you're actually getting the scene wrong. Um, yeah. In this in in this movie, Extraction, Chris Hemsworth plays a character named Tyler Rake. Yes. And he uses a rake to murder someone. <laughs> he uses a rake that is really to Tyler someone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really all you need to know about this movie. That that is the kind of movie this is. Is Tyler Rake kills someone with a rake, and uh, and yeah. So for me, all I'm looking for is the action. And to me, and yeah. for me, this movie completely delivered on that. The action we is don't amazing. Know what, how sophisticated this movie is, Dave. We don't find out his <laughs> name me. is Tyler Rake until he has already killed someone with a rake. <laughs> That's, That's my true. name, he says as he shoves the rake into uh-huh. the corpse. Yeah. 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 So uh I, I think the again, we've already talked about how well shot the action scenes are, uh, but 
the movie is also just unrelenting when it comes to the action. Like the action is mm-hmm. extremely gruesome, yeah. right? It's a very uh, like it's a hard R, I would say. And uh, and it, you know, it just is is if you're into that kind of thing, it's mm-hmm. a delight to watch. So let, let me ask you guys this: How do you think it compares to other extraction movies? <laughs> like, how does this compare to Man on Fire? I actually just rewatched Escape from New York, or like the night before I saw this. I didn't even plan that, but it just kind of happened, and that ended up being very perfect. And I love that the there's a certain mode to these types of movies, right? You get the setup, you get the badass who has to go in, and I love it when these movies just really get all that done very cleanly. Like Escape from New York, like Kurt Russell, like he's in prison and. The way, you know, the bad guys set up that they have the president, they're going to hold him hostage. It's also economical. And I feel this movie works the same way, too. It's very, like, matter of fact by the book. Um, I haven't seen Man on Fire recently, but from what I remember, it's sort of like that, too. So, I don't know. I like this vibe of these guys going in. These are fixers that shoot everybody, basically, right? I- I mean, there's. A I really scene thought I was going to hate movie. this movie when we get the setup of him. Yeah, that yeah. like walking off the ledge thing to, to to set up how badass he is. I was so like, cool, oh, bro. Oh, oh, I'm going to hate this movie, but 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 I didn't. I didn't <laughs> hate it. Uh, but but by the way, I uh, I actually Googled like what is the tallest height that someone can yeah. survive for uh like a, a fall into water. I think it's something like 35 meters is like the absolute highest and mm-hmm. that is only if you like position your body correctly um to His lower the resistance good, but I don't um know. so theoretically it's actually possible what oh he yeah did, my dad but... had to go out in the navy you have to jump off a, a, a battleship and that's like 30 40 feet uh but they have their oh, full clothes and he said it was like getting hit with a sledgehammer when you hit, landed on the water yeah. with shoes on so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. brutal um, but anyway, there's a scene in this movie where, uh, the, the, like towards the opening, where the main character, Tyler Rake, is off the grid and living in a shack. And somebody's like, we need you to come back for one last job. And that's that's literally a scene from MacGruber, which, by the way, is a parody <laughs> of like 80s action films. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that scene has been done a million times. This one has a chicken. The only thing that's different... Yeah, this one has a chicken, and also Tyler Rake's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. You know, he's like, he yeah. doesn't resist. He's not like, I'm and there, out there's of the no game. team montage. The team just appears. Right, the team just yeah. appears. So that's a bit of a bummer. Anyway, uh, I enjoyed this movie despite the fact that I mean, it's a throwback. It's a throwback. It's like, what if you did one of those old '80s action movies, but with really modern right. day yeah. sensibilities and action? Yeah, right. Like, and well shot action, right? And also, I will say, and also like, an orange way, filter, an orange filter on all these scenes that happen in India and Bangladesh, which is Hollywood's way of saying this is from a foreign country. <laughs> this is um, another country. So, anyway, but uh, I will say I don't want to sound like we're I'm completely like shitting on old action movies because I think like I just rewatched uh, The Hunt for Red October. That's a you know like John McTiernan. Yeah, perfect movie. When that guy is on fire, when he has a good script, and when he knows like when he has a good action sequence to stage, that movie has basically like one major, you know, shootout towards the end. But uh, I'm thinking of Commando, thinking of Die Hard. Like there there is good action, you know, pre the nineties and pre everybody like focusing on choreography. But I do feel like we the nineties kind of muddied that quite a bit. Um there's probably like a yeah there's a long thing you can write about this. I just like that we're in a state now where we can have good choreography, 
good um, but, but you know, people it, who appreciate action. It, it in was even at its height. It was never like the gunplay in this yeah, movie, right? You know, yeah. it was never yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, the closest. I don't know what the style is called exactly, but it's like <laughs> the thing I think of the most is gun kata from Equilibrium, right? right? Is like. <laughs> That they're they're almost using guns in a kind of dance, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. guns as a uh, guns as a melee that, weapon. Yeah. Guns as a as a right. as, yeah. CQC, right? Close quarters combat. It's it's gun shot two inches away from target, and that was never right. happening right. before. The, one of my favorite moments of this movie is when uh, someone holds down a bad guy with a gun, holding and, and <laughs> yep, reloads yeah, yep. the gun as they hold them down to then shoot them yep. point blank in the chest. Uh, very John yeah. Wick style, in my opinion. Like those, it felt like something could have come out of a John Wick movie. But anyway, let's get to spoilers so we can talk a little bit more about extraction. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. Now. You want to be fooled. So we got to talk briefly about the Warner, uh, and I think that I thought it was awesome. One of the yeah, it, it was amazing. I, I was cackling with glee when my I was favorite thing is it yeah. comes. Yeah. It, I actually I actually texted. I, I was yeah, just go go ahead, I, I, go I love that it comes out of nowhere. It literally starts with one of the characters just sort of started <laughs> running toward the camera, and you yeah. don't see it coming. You know, a lot of a lot of those like flashy shots. It the the beginning of it is a big deal, and this one sort of just starts very pedestrian. They just get into a car. And they start going, and then things. I mean, it is wild how long we go and how many things happen back to back to back during that one. Or in watching it multiple times, I was shocked at how many things are set up in the one. Like it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Like the 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 first time I saw it, I thought that um, uh, Saju kind of came out of nowhere with the police car, but we sort of we pan across and see him. Kill the dude in the police car and start to get in it. It's a setup for later yeah, when he arrives yeah. at the police. Like it yeah. is so well choreographed. It's really really cool. Yeah, it's so well done. I, I will say I really enjoyed it. Um, I it looks like a winner. I would love to see the full you know behind the scenes of it because it does feel like there are several sequences, maybe like very long sequences, but sequences that oh, were course, stitched together. Of course, um, but it still it still looks like the end effect for the viewer is phenomenal. Uh, this movie gave me like the vibe, the rush of watching the Bourne Supremacy and the Bourne Ultimatum for the first time, and like some of those foot chases. Like I still, you know, the Tangiers foot chase in the Bourne Ultimatum is something I still feel like no action movie has really like matched for me, like just the sheer vibe of it or the, uh, you know, the, the freaking car chase in Bourne Supremacy. I so this movie does both. I don't, yeah, it does in do a way. multiple car chases and foot chase and into a building upstairs. I don't know of mm-hmm. an, another one or offhand that for a long stretch of it leaves our main characters and starts following the bad guys for a while. <laughs> Which I thought was yeah. a clever thing, and then our our hero sort of surprisingly reappears inside the context of that same long running shot. Well, yeah, it it follows this guy from like this SWAT team, right? And I'm like, oh man, I'm in this guy's shoes, and you know, I'm starting to think like, what is this guy's day like? You know, does he have a wife and kids, and he's just showing up to try to do the bidding of drug lord? And you're following this guy for probably a minute, 
as he's trying to find Chris Hemsworth's character. And then just out of nowhere, Chris Hemsworth just kills, like stabs him 18 stabs times in the throat. Stabs him so many times. So many times. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a couple things about the one I want to point out. Um, uh, IndieWire interviewed Sam Hargrave uh, about the one and Hargrave declined to share the exact number of cuts that make up the 12-minute yeah. sequence. Um, but he says, quote, there are many cuts and there are many and mostly built around the necessity of either safety or a technical or logistical issue that we had to solve by stitching stuff mm-hmm. together. Of course, I, I don't so, I don't think that yeah. lessens it. It's it's a it, it with technology no, 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 today. It's no, a stylistic no. decision, not a not a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a technical uh, show off thing. It's not really like um, we're watching Victoria or something. You know, it's it right. it's it's but, more a decision that could be made in a visual effects capacity, but it still, mm-hmm. I think, creates an effect in the audience. It creates a feeling when you're going and going and going yes. and everything is flowing together that I really enjoy. You, you get the feeling of, like, you know, not being able right. to take a breath, basically. But I will say I do separate out the, like, for real, actual, you know, long-take winners. Like, the Atomic Blonde thing, I still think about that. And that fight is so, you see the exhaustion of the actual actors and like it is a, it's a physical feat where when it's stitched together it doesn't feel like that as much you know like even though he does take punishment in this movie by the end of atomic blonde like you know um everybody's just too tired to really fight properly and i really enjoy seeing that stuff uh the, the camera does things in this movie that i thought in the wonder specifically yeah. <laughs> that i thought were uh impossible and like i think there's a part when a car like you know, swerves backwards and then the camera like goes inside yep. the car. And I was like, yeah, how do they yep. do it? And then the cameras then starts going as fast as the car. I'm like, how are they doing any of this? And then if you watch the making of videos, you see the director, Sam Hargrave, he ha- he ha- straps himself to the front of a vehicle <laughs> and holds the camera on his person. This is uh, what happens when you get some a stunt coordinator to direct a movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just like it's incredible. Yeah. It's like yeah. wow, respect for endangering his life and limb in order to entertain us. I mean, it's just like it's it, it and it paid off in my opinion. He got shots that are like I don't think I've ever seen a shot like yeah. that before. You know, like uh, where it goes from oh hey we're standing still we're following these actors and all of a sudden it accelerates to thirty miles an hour. It's like how did you do? And we that? go over multiple <laughs> um, uh, rooftops. Like there's a the he throws the kid across a rooftop and the camera also leaps then. He goes tumbling off the rooftop. The two of them do, <laughs> knocking down as they go. And then, then the camera lands. It the camera gets up and looks back up, like, "What the hell did we just do?" And then I love the the. There's two times when someone gets hit by a car out of nowhere as the camera is there. Yeah, it, it's, two it's, times. It's a it's a fantastic one. It's a delight. Yeah. It's a delight. It's a, it's a, it's a really fun. It's really fun. We are sick, sick people. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the ending, guys. Do you think Chris Hemsworth survives? No. I think he did. No, what do you think? No. Yeah, I I wish the movie had actually, you know, Wait, it didn't seri- need to do that. Are you serious, Chef? You don't think he survives? No, I don't think he, I mean, uh, I don't think it's setting up for a sequel, Extraction 2. No, I don't think so. I think I think the idea was that he died. Did you, did, did yeah. Did you see, did you the, see the very the last, last shot of the shot? film? Oh, it was the very last shot. I may, may not have. <laughs> 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 Jeff Jeff likes to turn it off before Netflix says, yeah, do you want to skip yeah. to the next Yeah, show? I can't. So yeah, I have three away. seconds but, to make that decision. <laughs> what happened? So in the very last shot of yeah, yeah. the film, uh, the kid emerges from the water. Um, and for a split second, like literally less than a second, yes, uh, you see a Chris Hemsworth-looking figure 
off fo- out of focus in the distance. And but like wearing shorts and like big, big but dude. Like, didn't yeah. you know, didn't like we a, see yeah. his own son out of focus all through the whole movie? Uh, no, it, it, it basically, in, in like it, looked, it looked real. Yeah. It looked real. I, I mean, I they don't, that, they but... don't explicitly clarify yeah. it, but yeah. I saw him um, jump in the pool. Weird about this I movie. saw him jump off the diving board <laughs> into the pool. I guess I just was like, oh, this is you over. Know, you know what's also weird about this movie is there's like 15 minutes of credits in yeah. this film. I don't know what <laughs> was up with that. Like, cause after you watch Netflix movies for a while, you kind of, kind of start to understand, oh yeah, I have like this much movie left. Uh, because I assume there's going to be about five minutes of credits. It's like. 10 to 12 minutes of credits in this yeah. movie, which hmm. I just thought was uh, pretty random. Anyway, uh, so would you be interested in an Extraction sequel, Jeff Kanata? No, it's uh, not No, it's fine. Yeah, no, I, I want to see more uh, stuff directed by Sam Hargrove, Hargrave, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, I think Chris Hemsworth is awesome. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't particularly care about these, these characters. Who cares about these characters? We know very little about any of them. <laughs> Listen, his name is uh, what was his name? Tyler yeah. Rake. <laughs> Tyler You're Rake. Like, what must was return. it? Let me check my and notes like, again. And David yeah, Harbor yeah. shows up Tyler in this movie Rake. for like five minutes. <laughs> David Harbor pretends he could fight Chris Hemsworth. I love, I love that scene. He was like, "Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna believe this." Okay. Well, as somebody yeah, sure. who has met okay. David Harbor in real life and knows how big a man he is, <laughs> to see Chris Hemsworth like looking down at him, yeah, you go, yeah. "Chris Hemsworth is a big, big boy." <laughs> <laughs> uh, he yeah. could play a god someday yeah yeah all right anything else we want to say about this movie or shall we wrap it up gents i, I will say you you make this movie to make sequels really basically you know like it, i i feel like it like it's a i don't know the budget of this movie but this feels like a relatively like scrappier affair than maybe you know some of the giant action movies we're probably used to seeing during this season so and yeah there aren't aside from hemsworth like in harbor not really big names in this too right so i'm sure this came in a little cheaper i would love to see like like yeah make this a niche for netflix like give me some nice well-directed hard r action movies uh because i miss them so much all right i can't say i disagree this is probably my favorite one of these on netflix uh this is like when i compare it to movies like triple frontier or you know other movies of that ilk like this is probably my favorite one triple frontier is trying to do something very different than this movie but yeah, it's it's actually trying to be a, yeah, a real movie. It's trying to know? be a real <laughs> yeah. dramatic thriller. A thriller, yeah. Um, yeah. I know you don't like that movie, Dave, yeah. but that, that movie's aiming for something. Yeah. All righty. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's our thoughts on Extraction. We all had a good time. Uh, it's pretty great watching when it comes to uh, quarantine time, I think. It's like a it fun is. escapist thing. Um, as long as you can ignore the fact that it's a white dude Saving a brown kid while murdering Mowing a ton down. of brown people. They so have, many people. They have the, the good so grace to, to just cover all the bad guys' faces throughout the entire movie. I mean, literally everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so they're literally Everyone faceless. is is a is yeah. a nameless, faceless NPC in a video game. It is. But also, yeah. all the all the cops are bad too. They pull the they pull that movie thing where like, all the yeah. cops are corrupt. Therefore, let's uh, we can kill them all. They're yeah. fine. We do the big yeah. bad definitely never I, gets his comeuppance. So maybe it is setting up for a sequel. Oh, I did miss that. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I was okay. Actually, two more notes. Yeah. He, he has this One passion for that... fingers. This guy. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the bad guy is so evil. It's it's just he's like throwing kids off yeah. roofs a, for no reason. He's throwing kids off a roof. That's how you're introduced to him. It's just like 
That's a little too evil for me. It's been a good year for very, very evil villains. We've had uh, Ewan McGregor peeling faces off of people. Oh, my God. You know? See, I think the kid, too, right? The uh, the the sequel to this movie doesn't involve Chris Hemsworth at all. It's the two kids grown up, you know, because we have the evil kid who turned pure evil, who cut his own finger off and does (laughs) does the final murder on Chris Hemsworth, if you believe that he's dead, Uh, and and a good the good kid who got saved, but now has seen he's been in the shit, and he's he's got his father's in prison, and so it's the two of them, like you know, ten years later or five years later when they're they're in their twenties. Yeah, that's the movie. That's the sequel you want. Mm. <laughs> I like how Jeff, you're building a sequel based on tangential characters that yeah you know, nobody really wants to see again. But that, that's, that's what, what you're banking on. I love it. I love it. This is I love how Jeff's brain works. I will say, I will say th- th- there was uh-huh. a moment where I felt the Russo brothers' influence on this movie. Uh, I mean, Joe mm-hmm. Russo uh, wrote the script. And there's a scene where uh, Tyler Rake is with the kid that he's saving, and he's on the phone um, with uh, the woman. Um, mm-hmm. What's her name? Nick. His Con, like contact. Right? Yeah, yeah. Contact. And she's like, "Hey, Tyler. Like, if you if you want to save yourself, you gotta dump the kid." And he's like, "I can't do it. I can't do it." And then he hangs up, and the kid's like. So uh, are you just going to dump me? Because um, your phone's really, I heard really loud. Everything. That, was like, yeah. that felt like a kind of uh, meta commentary on those kinds yeah. of scenes. In, I uh, do. In I, I love that, actually. Yeah, because like in a in a dumb action movie, it would be like, oh, this this bit of drama that is completely needless. I think, and we don't need to be there. I think there. this yeah. is kind of a dumb action movie, though. Uh, uh, I, it's a, I think it's more self-aware than a lot of the like stuff we got in, yeah, I don't know, earlier on. I will say uh, shout out to the turn when Tyler Rake has to team him up yeah. with Saju. I Clever. did love that moment. I love it when good guys and bad guys have to team up. But also, Saju Saju's an interesting character because like they give him emotional stakes. Like, oh, yeah, your family is going to you know be killed if you don't follow through with this. I don't quite know why his calculus is to hire this uh, acclaimed team of uh, extractors and mercenaries and proceed to kill them? It makes I, absolutely no sense because the yeah, thing is... I don't know. Because the thing is, when you're introduced to Saju in the field, he is murdering these trained yeah. operatives. Yeah. And it's like, dude, if you could do that, why didn't you just extract the kid yourself? Just do the thing. Yeah. Just do the thing yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I can't leap of, off waterfalls. I don't want to so. get back into it because we're kind of wrapping up here, but I kind of didn't understand <laughs> anything in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of didn't understand why the kid, like, why they didn't just murder the kid immediately. Like, what? Well, ra- the ransom. ransom, right? Okay, yeah, but know. then he kills the ransom dudes. So now we're going to murder the kid? Why is the kid a corpse? David Harbour has this whole thing about the kid's dead, man. The kid's. <laughs> why is the kid dead? What is that? How does that. Because his father is in prison and can't protect him. Right, but who, that's what thing. is killing him? It seems what, like why Saju, is killing him worth yeah. the literally hundreds of lives that it takes to try to kill the kid? <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, we, we said we're not going to get back into it, so let's just yeah. wrap it up. Come, come on, Jeff. Anyway. Uh, let's extract yeah. ourselves from this conversation. You, nicely done. Yeah. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber... Kyle Hillinger, and this episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Uh, stay tuned to your. We'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Devinder Hardwar, where can I find more of your work on the internet? 
Oh, you can find me at Devendra on Twitter. I write about tech at Engadget.com. And check me out on the Engadget podcast. Uh, I'll be having a quick interview with Greg Daniels about Upload. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have several other shows for you to check out if you're interested. Uh, I talk about video games on a podcast called DLC. You can find that at 5x5.tv slash DLC or wherever you get podcasts. I do a comedy science show award-winning comedy science show that we recently just brought back after a two-year hiatus. It's called We Have Concerns. Nice. Do that with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com or wherever you get podcasts. And I do a long-form Dungeons & Dragons show. We just had our one-year anniversary uh, of of that show uh, this last week, and it was very, very touching. Uh, we had a big talk back with the audience. Uh, one person said... I only checked out the show because Jeff wouldn't shut up about it on the Slash Film cast. So here I am not shutting up about it. So all those minutes of Jeff That's talking right. about it was worth it for that one go. dude. We're, I'm not going to sh- continue to not shut up about it. If you are that person who hears me talk about it. Oh, by the way, this person finished their comment by saying, I'm so glad I checked it out. I love the show. Be one of those people that hears me incessantly go on and on ad nauseum about the thing I'm very proud of called the Dungeon Run. And give it a chance. You can find it as an audio podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can watch it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run there. Or you can watch live as we record Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. And uh, check out my other podcast, Culturally Relevant. That's Culturally Relevant at culturallyrelevantshow.com. Again, last week I interviewed Alan Yang about his new film, Tiger Tail. Check out that conversation. Okay. Next week, we're going to be reviewing Bad Education. It's a new HBO film. You can check it out on HBO Now, wherever you stream your HBO. Bad Education. I've heard great things about this movie. I've heard it's one of the best movies of the year so far. So looking forward to checking that out on streaming with you, gents. And uh, that's going to do it for us today on the Slash Filmcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We watched the movie.